Him as Lord and Savior. No matter where you've been, what you've done, Romans 10 and 13 tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we believe that with all that's within us. Lord, we praise you today. We thank you for your presence in this place. And that you're not bound by a room, by a building. But Lord, that our spirits bear witness with one another. That unity of spirit, Lord, as your word speaks of in Ephesians 4. Lord, that we continue to press on to press toward the mark of the high call. And as people find themselves in a, a, a strange place, not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow, if they'll have the funds to survive another week or a day or a month. Lord, we know that you are the provider. You're the sustainer. Lord, that you made a way when there was no way. And I pray that this morning, your word, as it goes forward, you would anoint me to preach and teach your word. Those that will watch and will hear, you would anoint their ear to hear. Anoint their heart to receive your word. Lord, I praise you. We give you honor and glory in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. If they play a little something, I want to give you time to uh, just give your tithe and offering, if you will. Take time to get your family ready together to receive the word, to set worship together this morning. or may come up on your screen, I'm not sure, but uh, we're learning as many are learning uh, new technologies and uh, doing the best we absolutely can with uh, what we are have to uh, do. We've got people doing a, a two and three person uh, job, but um, anyway, we're doing the best we can, but Colossians chapter 2, we'll be in Colossians 2 verses 20, uh, going through Colossians 3. Uh, verse 4. You know, excuse me, i got to put my keys down. I can't stand stuff in my pockets. So if you're here or not here, it's just no different. I don't know why I didn't take them out before. Probably because Summer's not here to remind me to take stuff out of my pockets, but she's watching. So we're having to split shifts to stay within regulations to keep, uh, to keep the numbers as they're supposed to be. So um, anyway, Colossians 2, uh, uh, verse 20 through chapter 3. Verse 4, but beginning in Colossians 2 uh, with verse 20, says, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the, of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship, and humility, and neglecting of the body, not in any honor 
to the satisfying of the flesh. Chapter 3 says, beginning of verse 1, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Uh, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections on the things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. And this morning I want to minister, a, um, using for a subject or a title, if you will, however you want to look at it, simply, um, we have a problem. We've got a problem. If you haven't noticed, uh, there's a lot of problems going on, but when I say we've got a problem, I'm specifically addressing we, the church, the Christians, the believer. We've got a problem. And we'll address that problem this morning. I know that this morning there are many millions around the world celebrating what they call Palm Sunday. And I told Summer this morning, I said, until I was, uh, I don't know, 19 or 20, I had never heard the term Palm Sunday. And she said, it's just because you didn't listen, and that's probably correct. But uh, I understand people, uh, and I understand if we could gather together as church, as normal that many churches would be waving the palm branches and all of those things. But this is exactly what we're addressing this morning. We've got a problem. And that problem, uh, and, and I've addressed this before, but asceticism, the ascetic church, is a huge problem. And asceticism is the doctrine in which a person stating that they can attain a, a high spiritual and a moral state by practicing self-denial or or extreme abstinence, but the imposition of man-made rules has never and will never gain favor with God. They never, ever, ever work. They never have. They never will. It's not scriptural, so therefore it's a lie. It's man-made. Man, man has their hands in a lot of things, and what man puts their hands in always is a mess. But those who live this devoted life and they live this devoted life to the rules and the regulations and the requirements and, and they live them to a T, uh, this is a type of anachronism. And, and anachronism is simply a chronological misplacing of order of persons, events, or objects. And this is the problem. We've misplaced the chronological order of persons where we have made ourselves in front of Christ. So verse 20 says in Colossians 2. Wherefore if you be dead with Christ. If you be dead with Christ. That word therefore is an adverb. And that's as a result of. It's because of Christ. That you can be dead in Christ. Without Christ you can't do anything. John 15.5 tells us that. But if you be dead with Christ. From the rudiments of the world. Why as though living in the world are you subject to the ordinances? So when and while you try to live to satisfy man's rules and man's ways and man's doctrines. You are creating a chronological error. You are creating a, a huge problem. And the problem is not the Word of God. The problem is not the doctrine of the Word, which is the Bible. The problem is myself, you who may be watching, the church, the people is the problem. The people's the problem. There's a misplacement of persons 
Christ said, follow me. Galatians 2.20 tells us, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So all the great Christian disciplines that we may practice, that we may have, and nothing's wrong with those, will do nothing. We have to, John 15, we, I refer to this, or we refer to this quite often here, uh, we have to stay in the vine. Because without it, we are dead. We are not a branch. We are a dead, a fallen limb. John 15, you read that yourself. He's the vine, we are the branches. We abide in him and he abides in us. And, and without him, without him, he's talking to you, he's talking to me. Verse 5 of John 15, without him we can do nothing. Nothing. I've never, uh, uh, if you go here or you're a part of this church or if you know or have been following us for some time, I never preach a message related to a holiday or a theme. I just preach what I feel the Lord has led me to. And I strongly encourage you to remember this verse, John 14, verse 26. But the Comforter, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So if you're not in his word, if you're not studying his word, if you're not reading his word, and not seeking first all that he has, you can't bring back to remembrance something that has never been put in. <coughs> so when you're in his word, his word's in you. But the ascetic church is a dead church. Somewhere around that number, 7,000 churches close every month, or every year, I mean. Uh, 7,000 churches well over that have closed over the last month. Over 1,500 pastors quit the ministry. They stop the ministry every month. Why? Because the list never ends. The requirements never stop. The duties that they feel, the pressures that are placed on them never go away. You get one thing done and 12 more fall into place. They never stop. So when we place our, our faith and our, our, just ourselves in the doings of things, we're only going to be wore out. We're only going to be exhausted. And I can tell you as a pastor, the pressure is most definitely there to feel like you have called the right amount of people, that you have encouraged the right amount of people, that you have reached out to the right amount of people. Those pressures are real and those pressures are there, but I first must seek the face of God and what would you have me bring to the people, but I also must also be a shepherd of the flock that I know the Lord has placed me over, so there is a balance but when all I look to is just to be a people person and a people pleaser, the Bible, when you read in Galatians, Paul said, if, if, I, if basically if I were called to please men, I would not be the servant of Christ. So I'm not going to apologize if I've ever made you mad, but I promise it wasn't on purpose. There's a, there's a big problem, and the problem is us. Myself, I'm the first one to admit it. I stand in the way. I read a book one time, and, and I can't remember who wrote it, 
I'm not going to recommend it, but I'm going to say that I read it and the title alone says, I can't see God because I'm in the way. And that's a big problem for a lot of people and it's a huge issue for a lot of people. But the Comforter who is the Holy Ghost will be there. But the list never stops. That's why we have so many believers falling away. Because there has been a problem. They have, they have tried to place themselves first and still yet follow Christ. They couldn't meet the requirements. It's time to get things back in order and that's time to place God first. There's, I don't know if, if I just raise my hand like you're here, but there's a lot of people who says, I just can't do this Christian thing. There's too many checks to hit. Can I tell you this morning, wherever you're watching from, wherever you find yourself, you'll never hit all the checks because you and myself are just screw-ups. I preached a message one time, and actually I think it was the first time that Ron Coco was here, and, and it might have been the name of the t- title of the message. We're all screw-ups. I don't know what it was called, but that's simply essentially the truth. When you come to realize that you need Christ for every single thing that you do in life and you have to rely on the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, when you come to realize that, you will realize that John 15, 5 is absolutely true. I can't do anything without Him. I can, but I can promise you it will never turn out right. It will never end up right. But it's time to get things back into order to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all the things will be added unto you. The Word tells us, to touch not, to taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. So which things have indeed, they, they look good. They look good. They, I, I seen this morning there, there's a huge concern over mass. Uh, people, can't, they can't be in person, so they're going to have to live stream, and they're worried that not enough people are going to get mass. Can I tell you this morning that you don't need to see live stream to go to the Father All you got to do is say yes to Jesus. All you got to do is call on the name of Jesus. You don't need some man waving a smoke machine around. All you got to do is call on Jesus and he's there. He's there for you because he is your intercessor. He is your mediator. He is the great high priest. And I know I may have some people mad, but it's okay. You don't need man. You don't need me. All you need is Jesus. So all things look good. They have a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. They make a good Christian resume. I remember when we were uh, first into the ministry and actually being uh, whatever talked to about planting churches. And... I was asked to send a resume, and I was like, well, I don't know how to, how do you send a resume for, I don't know what, I shook 12 people's hands, and I said, God bless you to 37 people. I don't know how, good Christian resume, what is that? We, this is what we try to build, to make us look good. The key words, the key factors, it said if you, if you have a resume and you put it online, you got to know the key words, the, the words that just catch the people's attention, <coughs> and that may be true. But I promise you that you're not going to have a, the key word in a Christian resume is Jesus. And if it's anything about yourself and about lifting up self, I can, I can guarantee you it's wrong. Stop seeking man's approval and look to God. It's the ascetic church that has no life, 
simply because the order is messed up. You cannot have life if life is not in your heart, if Christ is not in your heart. Who took away the ordinances that were against us? It was Jesus Christ. When one becomes a Christian, his or her connection to the rudiments of the world, to the, to the legalistic things are severed. They're cut away. Listen, don't, don't get me wrong. You can't live like hell and proclaim to be a part of heaven. That, that, that don't work. I'm not saying grace is a ticket to live like you want. What I'm saying is if you are living by the only thing you know, which is religion, rules, and, and, and doctrines of man, the do's and the don'ts, I'm telling you, you are living a miserable life. But when you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and you come to the victory that was afforded to you at Calvary and you walk in the freedom and the liberty that only the Holy Spirit allows you to walk in, you will understand holiness is still a requirement, but I don't have to look like you think I do. So when one becomes a Christian, those things are severed. All who have accepted Christ as, the Lord, as Lord and Savior died with Christ at the cross. You read that in Romans. I, I hope you got your notebooks at home. I can't see you, so I don't know. I don't know if you're just scribbling away or draw, playing tic-tac-toe, hangman or what. I don't know. Xylophone, by the way, is a good hangman word. I, I got, they get me every time on it. I just, uh, so there's just two cent, uh, my two cents in there. But Romans 6, 2 through 4, you read that you died with Christ. So accepting the death of Christ as supplying the means of our redemption, by understanding this, we know that we are also dead to all former religious principles. As you mature in your walk with the Lord, those things that you see that you used to do, now seem childish to you. They seem childish to you. I, I, I've told the story of, of, of when I... I got in trouble a lot when I was a kid. A lot. I, if, if it weren't for the grace of God, I would still be in a lot of trouble. But uh, I got caught skipping school for two weeks in the third grade. So I had my punishment was uh, to go to Christian school. And um, I couldn't wear shorts. I could wear shorts on the outside of jogging pants, which made no sense to me. I was like, that's double hot. I don't even. But the, 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 the theory was this. We're a holiness church. If you wear shorts, you're showing leg. I'm, I'm a, I'm a nine-year-old boy. What are they looking at? <laughs> I, I don't know, but, but listen, none of that. None of that. This is why people stay bound and they stay frustrated and they don't like nor want anything to do with church that they know. Because we have disallowed the freedom and the operating of the Holy Spirit by creating an ascetic church, by making up rules and regulations and things that you have to do. I mean, you look at, look, just look at insurance policies. They, they, they suggest that somebody be, be a part of the body for a year before you even consider them for a position. There's a rule. There's a rule. There's rules for everything. Nothing's wrong with rules, but I'm telling you, rules will never save your life. So as our substitute, Christ died for us, but as our representative man, he died as us. And that should make you happy. Get this, death is a transition from one state 
to another totally. When you die, you die in Christ, you are dead to the former things, all of them, because we are told in His Word that when we profess and we receive Christ, that we become new creations, that the old man is, well, he's dead, he's gone. All things, behold, all things shall become new. So when you're dead, you're totally dead. You cannot be half dead or, or, or 99% dead. It's either you died with Christ or you have not. So if you have died with Christ, then you are also totally dead, but you are also, again, when you receive Him, totally alive in Christ. So it's time for a lot of believers to start living. Well, I can't live. I'm not in my chair. I, I don't, I'm not in my right chair to say preach on preacher. If it takes you to be in your right chair to feel like you've been in church, then you're a part of a set of church. That may be rough and that may be harsh, but that's true. You don't have to be in this building. I can't wait till the day we come back. It's going to be full. I believe it's going to be a packed house. I really, truly, honestly believe that. But you don't have to be in this building to feel the presence and the operating and the moving of the Holy Spirit. You should feel that in your car or when you're on the lawnmower or for crying out loud when you're weed eating. I hate weed eaters. Lord, that's the devil's tool. I hate them because the heads always mess up and it either throws too much string out or not enough. Or we just went and got one you stick the string in. But it'll probably break in another week or so. I, I don't know. Maybe it's the kids. Maybe they break them. I don't know. But anyway, Christ died and we're totally dead, but we're also totally alive. It was Christ who did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So the principle that puts us in Christ is that which, what he, what he did at Calvary's cross. That's what puts us in Christ. His death at Calvary's cross. Next week, we're going to call Resurrection Sunday. We're going to celebrate that he is alive. But I can promise you his resurrection was never a question. It wasn't the resurrection that afforded us everything. It was the atonement for at, for at Calvary's cross that afforded us victory, that afforded us healing, that afforded us all that we have. The resurrection I will celebrate as well. But my, my victory is afforded because of Calvary's cross. So the principle that puts me in Christ is not his resurrection. It puts me in Christ because of his atonement that was made at Calvary's cross that I have received. It's the blood that covers me. So faith in his finished work and his finished work alone is where we should stay. What we preach isn't popular. What we preach, it, listen, it's, it's not. But it's right. I'm not saying that we're only church that preaches it for crying out loud. Lord knows. But what we were before Christ, we are no longer now. Who you were before Christ, who you were before you accepted Jesus Christ, you are no longer that person. No one can be rehabilitated out of a problem or brought out of any, it brought out any other way than to be born again. Wayne said it uh, uh, several months ago, whenever it was, the problem cannot be the solution. The problem can't be the solution. We need big screens with like hands going up like amen or a thumb or something, I don't know. Uh, it's, I'm telling you, this is weird for me and it's, it's crazy for me as it is maybe for you, but I listen, I'm going to preach the gospel anyway. 
But when he died, we died. And when he was buried, we were buried. But thank God he didn't stop there because he was raised. So are we raised in the newness of life. That is why true Christianity is so different than religion. When you tell people you're not a religious person, they don't know what to say. Because they, 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 they equate Christianity with religion. It's the religious people who, who said, yelled out, crucify him. It's the religious people who brought charges against Jesus Christ. It's religion only deals with the external. If I can change what you look like, if I can change your garments, if I can change even your, your, your uh, 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 habits or the things you do, we were talking about this earlier, and I've seen it actually, and we shared it on our page, and I encourage everyone to watch the Francis and Friends episode of this coronavirus thing, because this, this psychology and stuff tells you that 21 or 28 days of a habit, it, create, it takes the... Get, get rid of one or create a new habit. There's a lot of people that are nervously washing their hands. And I had a lady for yesterday running from me in Walmart that, like, I had three eyes and my, my insides were on the outside. I don't know what. I mean, she was just literally terrified. And, and I wanted to just run, which was probably wrong, but I wanted to run up and say, oh, but I, I, I didn't. Um, but this is habits that we, we, we have people that are terrified. Yeah, I'm not downplaying anything, but. Man, this is crazy. This is crazy. Just, just watch it. I, I encourage you to go watch it. You can disagree. That's okay. But this a true Christianity deals not with the outside or the external, but Romans 12, 2 tells us to be not conformed to the, this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Again, conformity happens from the outside in, but transformation happens from the inside out. This is how Christ works. He changes us from the inside out. This is why we are called to never be a cleaner of fish, but to just be a catcher or a fisher of men. Because He has already began the good work on the inside. He will take care of the outside as well. So that we may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if you're thinking that I've heard this, good, but if you think that you don't need to hear this, I can tell you you're wrong. You're exactly who needs to hear it. I need to hear it. The rudiments of the world, what, are the, what is that? It's all a man's efforts to save himself, to improve himself. The programs of man. All the ways of man. that covers all religion. All political systems. All promises of salvation apart from Christ. It covers them all. They are all false. They're all empty. And it's a worthless substitute for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The rudiments will never gain you anything in life except more things to do. More things to check off. So we have to know that, that Cain's offering will never be accepted. Cain's offering is never going to get it done. Salvation nor growth in Christ comes from the labor of man's hands. Something that was just burning inside of me earlier this week, that laziness is not an attribute. <laughs> laziness is an excuse. And at this time, at this time I, I think that a lot of people will become lazy because they don't have the, the, the church people there, the brothers and sisters there to, to, to whatever. We can use this time to become lazy or you can use this time to continue to seek 
the face of God, to get into your word, you can use this time to not work, to work, but you do work because you've got everything you need. That's Jesus Christ. So Paul writes, why is though living in the world are you subject to the ordinances? Why are you trusting in something other than Christ? Why are we trusting in something other than Christ? Man-made doctrines are not divine, they are flawed. Period. Believers will find that one of the greatest problems is the pull of religion, attempting to divert your trust, your faith from Christ to anything else. Anything else. If, if, <laughs> I mean, there's some people that are, that are tore up. And, 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 and that's a good thing, that they can't come together and worship. But then there are some people that think they're probably going to go to hell because they didn't get to go to a place of worship. That's wrong. That's wrong. Most, of, most all Christians have an understanding of the cross in regards to salvation, but the part that that plays after salvation, after conversion, that part that, that it plays draws a blank with many people, and they don't know uh, that Satan really plays havoc with that and wreaks havoc in their life with that because then their attention diverts and cha changes to, now what do I need to do? Because once you get saved, you'll be told to do this, this, this. Start in John, read in John. How about start seeking the face of God? Or, or go plug yourself in, man, get you, let's get rid of your old friends. This is, a, this, is a, this is a cliche answer. Get rid of your old friends and go find you a new set of friends and, and, and don't hang or don't do the things you used to do. You're telling somebody something that already they already realize. I don't need to be around what I was around or do what I needed to do, what I was doing. But I need a real answer. Look to Jesus. But don't be just willing to give advice. Be willing to walk with them. The church is great at giving advice, but they're horrible at walking with one another and encouraging one another. Because I can, you ever had somebody, you ask somebody for directions and they tell you, and if you're like me, after the first three words, I don't even know the last five minutes because I'm still trying to figure out where the first light pole is. But then you have those people that are, well, you know what, just follow me and I'll take you there. That's the kind of directions that I love because, hey, man, I don't have to try to remember all this stuff. You know where you're going. I'll just follow you. And they don't, they don't take off. They wait and make sure that you got room to pull out too. I'm going to follow you. And then when you get there, they wave or, or give you a little turn signal. Or whatever. That's the kind. Listen, we should be like that in our walk. Not just willing to give advice, but willing to hold the hand and walk with them. Or maybe you don't want to hold hands now. I don't know. Maybe you'll just bump elbows or something or just if you're six feet apart. But, I mean, be close enough to show them the way. You got it. You know what I'm talking So if the believer does not understand God's prescribed order of victory, then they will resort to rules and regulations made up by someone or even themselves. They'll try to obtain victory uh, by means other than that which truly makes us victorious which is their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying this to, to just say this or to be boastful, but a couple years ago, or maybe a year and a half ago, at first I started, I wanted to read the Bible through in three months, and then it became a chore. 
And I, I stop because, Lord, I'm just doing this just to check it off. I read the Bible, but I, it's none of your business how much I read nor how fast I read through it. But when even reading God's Word becomes just a checklist, it's all for the wrong reasons. It's all for the wrong things. We are creating, when we do things like this, we are creating a chronological error. We're putting our checklists in front of what He desires to do in our lives. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So the problems that believers struggle with, whatever those problems are, to me it makes no difference. They are not due to the fact that they want to continue doing those things. They're not due to, due to the fact that, that their desire is to do wrong. They remain bound because they have a lack of knowledge or no knowledge of the way to victory. Because for so long the church has saying there's victory or, or victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus, my Savior for it. There is victory in Jesus. But what about that person who don't even know Jesus, and that's all they hear you say, but then what? But then, God has taken us, when you read back through the Old Testament, not only did they keep the statutes and do the statutes, and the law of the Lord, they passed them down generation to generation, therefore they not only talked to them, they showed them, this is Acts 20, verse 20, as Paul was speaking, I withheld nothing from you which was profitable. He showed them, he taught them publicly and house to house. So we got, we got to get to a place where we understand, I can tell you, but I've got to love you enough to show you. I've got to love you beyond just words. So the cross of Christ is not an alternative. It is the only way. It is the answer. Jesus defeated every power of darkness at the cross by his atoning for all sin, which left Satan with no legal rights or claim on humanity. That is for all who believe. So if you, if you profess Christ as your Lord and Savior, Satan has no claim on you. Don't fall under this garbage. It's a generational curse. It's been broken. I've heard this my whole life. There's a generational curse for the columns. Just that bad temper. That's called an excuse for you to act like a moron. I'm, I, I used it. Boy, we just get a bad temper. I got a short fuse. and It don't take much to light the firecracker. Boom, I'm, I'm gone. That's just an excuse for me to act like a moron. No, Jesus told me that, that when I receive, His Word tells me when I receive Him, those things be dead, and I am a new creation in Christ. That the anger, those issues, all those things have been taken care of. Quit running back there and using it as an excuse for you to live like you want. I know I probably just made a lot of friends, but I'm just telling you the truth. You cannot use your past when you are in Christ as an excuse to be whatever. Those excuses, Calvary took all the excuses away. 
He took them all away. So when did, when did the church have the right to punish somebody with a problem? We're going we're gonna, to, you're just going to have to take a three-day hiatus, sir. You didn't uh, shake their hand or whatever. I mean, I made that sound stupid, but let somebody, let somebody with a position that, that people recognize mess up. They're going to put them on a cross. And they're going to punish them. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have messed up. Or, or whatever. That the mess up. What I'm saying is, we, wanna oper- we, wanna, we won't have grace and mercy to be operative and given to, uh, to us. But we don't want to extend it. Sinful men punishing sinful men only aggravates the situation. This is why correctional facilities are not correctional facilities. Because it's just a punishment place. It's a prison of punishment that corrects nothing. That puts an inmate in jail that they, they deserve to be there, fine. But they get, they get TV and their living conditions may not be as well as mine. They shouldn't be. They have to share a room with three or four other. Okay, I didn't, I didn't go out and rob the store. But when you're not correcting the problem, you're only punishing the problem, nothing changes. I'm going to tell you. When I used to get in trouble, I had an option, get grounded or get whipped. I say whip me every time because the pain's going to be over in about 30 seconds. I, I'll deal with it. I'll suck it up. Hit me. Give me your best. Give me all you got. And then sometimes they did. And it didn't hurt. It hurt, and I cried. But I knew, man, in 10 minutes I'm going to be outside in the trees, in the woods. I don't care. But if you ground me to the house, I will go nuts. It didn't correct the problem. I mean, it hurt. I knew. I don't want to do that again because when I get whipped, it's going to hurt. We have to, listen, the correction comes from the Lord, not from man. When you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit will work in your life and He will dress the vine. It don't always feel good, but what He's doing is correcting the things and taking the things away that don't need to be there. He will take care of you. So sinful men, punishing sinful men, only aggravates the situation. James 4 verse 12 says, There is only one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? For the one that is struggling with whatever that may be, there's only one way you can be victorious over that, and that's faith in the finished work of Christ. There's only one way. You can do all the push-ups you want. You can, you can count from 10 backwards all you want. They tell you that if you're getting mad, you count backwards from 10, and that helps you. That, man, that's, I just got mad because it took too long to count from 10 backwards. You can do all, listen, there's only one answer, and his name's Jesus. Verse 21, 22 says, Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. Anything that man touches tarnishes. Anything. Anything. When I was a kid, man, we had projectors in school. <laughs> Those were awesome kids. Now I don't even, I don't even think they know what projectors are. They didn't hang on the ceiling either. They was on the, it was on the thing. They had transparencies. And if you're really good, when the bulb went out, you got to change the bulb. But I didn't know you weren't supposed to touch the bulb. So when I touched the bulb, the oils off my fingers tarnished the bulb, and it did not last as long, and it would burn out quicker. Same thing they say with headlights and all those things. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I've always been told that. Apparently it is, but I don't know. 
But anything man touches tarnishes. Anything. That's why they tell you not to grab the barrel of your gun because the oil's off your fingers. They messed, they messed the barrel up, so then you've got to wipe it off and got to re-oil it and all that stuff. It'll create pitting and all that. Just from the, the chemicals and the, and the junk that's in our skin and, and in our bodies, man's hands tarnish everything. Verse 22 dismisses the ascetic approach to growing in the Lord. The inheritance of God's blessings can come from nowhere else or no other source than in His promise. Because all those things are, are, will perish. They'll go away. They'll fade away. Galatians 3 verses 18 and verse 21 says, For if, this, uh, for if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more a promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been given or should have been by the law. In other words, righteousness don't come by keeping the rudiments of the world. It only comes in and through and by Christ. So in chapter 3 of Colossians, picking up with verse 1, If you uh, then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections on the things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. To set our hearts on things above is to desire and strive for the things that are above. To seek those things that are above, your heart has to be set on things that are above. They have, it has to be. You have to, if you're going to seek those things and look to Him, your heart has to be all about Him. So we, we, we ride down the road and we see apple trees and orange trees and pear trees and, and all these kind of trees with fruit. But how did they bear fruit? They didn't bear fruit just by all of a sudden they jumped up there. The limb, the branch remained in the vine and all the nutrients came to it. This is why I, I just love John 15 and I think about the goodness of God, how good He is because He even allows the branch to be the fruit to be seen in the branch. He didn't have to. He don't have to. The, it, don't, it don't come to the branch because of the branch. It's bore on the branch and bears on the branch because of the trunk, because of the vine. Without the nutrients flowing to it, it would not happen. But yet we want to be seen full of foliage and fruit, but not be remain or remain in the vine. There are many folks who desire to be a branch, but they care nothing about the vine. I just want to be seen. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. Our interests are to be centered in Christ. Our attributes, our attitudes, our intentions, are in our entire outlook on life are to be molded by our relationship with Christ. Is your allegiance to Christ or what He can do for you? That's the question. Most people, we understand, you understand what I'm saying. A lot of people, I'm not going to say most, a lot of people only desire right now in the midst of all this chaos and craziness that's going on. Oh, they're seeking the Lord. For what? For Him or for what He can do? He is able to steal the storm. He is able to throw all this junk just to go away. Just poof, it's gone. 
Are we seeking them for just to handle or remove the coronavirus? Or are we seeking him because he's God and he is God alone? Are you seeking him because you lost your job and you need to know how you're going to make your payment or, or whatever? Or are you seeking? Listen, he's able to handle all those. I'm not, demin, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing those things. I know what it's like. Or are you seeking him because he is the giver of life? Because he is the atonement for our sin. Because he is the only one that we can be and shall be victorious in. We are identified with Christ. Christ is your identity. Period. Nowhere else, nothing else, and in nothing else is your identity to be found. Not your talent, not your abilities. Listen, the desire for myself is not that I may be known as the world's greatest pastor. We know that's not true. There are many pastors who are much better than myself. But I want to be known that that man loved the Lord and he had a heart for Jesus. If that can be said, I'm good. I don't even care if you know my name. There's a lady that used to live at the end of Franklin Street in Ranlow. It was at the Franklin and in, in, in Ryan Circle. I have no idea what her name is. We just called her Granny. But I can tell you that woman loved the Lord. I can tell you that because every time I came by, especially when it was hot, she'd always be outside messing with her flowers. And she had to be at least 300. I, don't, I mean, she was old. But every time we came by, especially in the summer, on our bicycles, she said, Son, come here and let me get you some water. And I would always stop, and she would tell me, you know that Jesus loves you. I, don't, I, I couldn't tell you her name for a, a gazillion dollars. I just knew her as Granny, but I knew that she loved the Lord. That's the identity she had. It was in Christ. It was in Christ. So we're identified with Christ, but we get caught up and lost in the labeling process. The church. You know, the drummer. You know that guy, the drummer at the church. The greeter. You know, the, you know the guy, the, the one that sits in the far back in the right-hand side that, 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 that's loud and whatever. You know that guy. You know the Sunday school teacher, the children's church pastor, the, the youth pastor, those, those people, the, the, the director of, of music, the, the elder. You know those people. No, the labeling, we get lost in the labeling process. I can tell you, it don't matter what you're called if you're not called his. We've had people got mad here because we didn't give name tags. And that, I'm telling you the honest God's truth. To me, that's childish. When, when our identity is in what we do, then we are a part of the deadly poison that's pumping into this world. Our identity is in only Christ Jesus, and that's all. That's it. Nothing else. I don't care if you call me Bishop, Pawn, or Rook. I just want to be an instrument and a vessel that he pours through and is, is using. So we get lost in this labeling process and we forget whose we are and then we don't know who we are. Hello, uh, we, we, we've got a problem. Because our identity, uh, we, we've misplaced our identity, we don't know, the church don't know who we are, we've got a problem. And I here is... I am a, and I've seen a lot of people sharing this here lately, I'm a whosoever who's been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but...
Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All that you see, all that I have, all that has been accomplished is not I, but it is who is in me. That's it. So when you seek the things which are above, everything changes. You no longer are coming to church just to come to church. You're no longer looking for the golden nugget from the pastor. You're focused, you're determined, and you're not going to be deterred. I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday, and, and, and a lot of people have been leery in the past of having online services. And I can tell you why from a pastor's point of view. Because you feel like you're giving an excuse to a lot of people to be lazy. And I'm going to be, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have a real big problem with being blunt. But I came to the conclusion those people that are going to be lazy, they're going to be lazy anyway. And if we can preach the gospel and it can go into wherever, then we're going to preach it. And if you're going to use it as an excuse to be lazy, then that's okay. I'm not saying because you stay home now, obviously, but when we stay home and we could be, we could be with brothers and sisters in the Lord encouraging one another. We should be. We should be. I'm not throwing rocks. I'm not throwing stones. I know that there are people that are sick, and that's what this is for. And I know there's times just like now. That's what this is for. But when you can congregate together and you can join together and encourage one another and to, and to share with one another those words of encouragement and to love one another, you should. You should. Because there is, there, listen, this, I've heard, I've heard it so much the last three weeks. Man, we love online service, but it's just, uh, it is not the same. It's not the same. Because when, when you, you miss family, you miss those brothers and sisters. You miss them. But that, that's a whole other thing. Listen, we can't use this time to be distracted. It should focus us. So we're no longer looking for those things we were looking for. In this salvation, Colossians 2.20, you are dead with Christ. There is peace. Man, I, I've, never, I've, never, uh, I've never really hung out in a cemetery. That's a pretty peaceful place. Ain't nobody going to bother you there. <laughs> if they do, man, whew, that would be... But there is peace in death. You're dead with Christ. In Colossians 3.1, you're risen with Christ. There is power. And in Colossians 3.3, you're hidden with Christ. There is preservation. There is peace, there is power, and there is preservation all in Christ. A dead man is beyond judgment, for Christ is beyond judgment. The believer has a peace that nothing can destroy. No numbers... No statistics, as scary as they may be, cannot destroy your peace. Again, I'm not downplaying what's going on. But I can tell you, as sure as I'm standing here, you can find numbers to fit anything that you think. Just as in false doctrine, you can pull a scripture from anywhere and find it and make it line up with your beliefs. The problem is we have a lot of folks, a lot of American folks who choose not to be educated or informed. Their only source of information comes from what they read or hear. 
And most of the time, what you read or hear is not absolute truth. It's not. There's always an agenda. So, I'm encouraging you, one, to be safe, but two, to be educated. Educate yourself. Educate yourself. So there is power, peace, power, and preservation in Christ. Resurrection means power and victory. Listen, Noah was hidden. Noah was hidden in the ark. It could not perish. The ark could not perish. Therefore, Noah could not perish. His preservation was a question of the power of the ark to save him. The ark, we know, was a type of Christ. It typified Christ. It, the, listen, Christ overcame death, hell, and the grave. Did he not? And if he did, then you too in Christ are an overcomer. It's not you. It's who you are in. So when you move to anything, anything other than the finished work of Christ, you're messing up the chronological order, and one cannot have a life without the Father. Christ is the head. I want to clarify God's order. It's not mine. It's not, it's not man's, it's God's. God's order of salvation and victory. One, all salvation and victory are found in the cross. Romans chapter 6. Our faith, the object of our faith, must always be the cross, the finished work of Christ. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, 3, works within the parameters of the cross, and when our faith is in His finished work, the Holy Spirit will indeed help you. Romans chapter 8, verses 2 through 13. So you are risen with Christ in the newness of life. Your identity is in Christ, just as, his ident or as He identified with us by taking upon Himself the penalty of sin. So seek the things which are above. You don't ever stop. You don't ever stop. It is impossible to exhaust Christ. He has always, always, always had more to give. And He always will. He will always give more. He takes us from faith to faith. It's in Christ that true life is found. That true life is enjoyed. And true life is obtained. And I want you to quickly turn with me to Luke chapter 11. If I can get my, my little tab here. <coughs> Verses 5 through 13. And with this is a familiar passage of scripture. It says, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from without or within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say unto you, though I will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his inopportunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, you shall find. Knock, it shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of, 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 of any who, has, who is a father, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will, a, or will for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask him? 
We knock and we stop. We seek and we get tired. And I say to you, ask and it shall be given. Seek you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. We've got a problem and that problem is us. We've quit knocking. We've quit seeking and we've quit asking. How many times have you stopped because it didn't happen the first time? You know, a lot of people don't knock on people's door. And I think it was Sawyer, it might have been Noah or Sage, I don't know which one. But when I was young, I mean, we obviously didn't have cell phones. And somebody said, well, how did they know you was coming over? Like, we just showed up. <laughs> we just knocked on the door. And I remember as a kid, you know, I would knock. And I was instructed as a kid, when you knock, you take a couple steps back and you just stand there. And you you look, you're looking in the screen door. They didn't come to the door. You go back to the door and you, you knock a little harder. Then you start kicking. You don't kick the door, but you kept knocking until somebody said, shut up or wait a minute, I'm coming. Or they come around the back. Say, hey, man, I'm out here in the backyard. Oh, okay, I'm coming. But you knock. We've quit knocking. The church has quit knocking. We've quit asking. We've quit seeking. Because we become satisfied with the conveniences of life. We become satisfied with the comforts of what we call church. And now we've been forced to understand that the church is not the building. This is the gathering place. And I'm glad. I'm a, I cannot wait till the day comes again when we get to gather again. But I believe that Lakeside, I'm speaking specifically directly to Lakeside Church. You have realized that you and I, we are the church. And we are going to keep knocking and asking and seeking. We're going to keep on, even if we're not in the meeting place. So in this text, the man didn't quit knocking. I know it might be midnight, but I remember in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas were singing. They didn't quit either. And the earthquake came and the prison, or the foundations were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. And I'm asking you this morning, what are you seeking for? Are you seeking for an answer to a problem? Or are you seeking the solution to all the problems? What are you knocking for? So that he can come to the door and hand you a, give you a handout? Or are you knocking so he can come to the door and you can just see his face? What are you looking at? Are you looking at the obvious, or are you looking to the omnipotent, the omnipresent? Are you looking at the chains, or are you looking at the chain breaker? What will you believe God for? What are you believing the Lord for? You don't have to do anything, because it's already been done for you. You don't have to clean yourself up. You can't. You, 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 you can't give in, to, I'm going to make things right, then I'm going to get to church. No, you can't. Listen, come as you are. He will take care of the rest. I, I want to personally apologize on the behalf of the church for making those who do not know the Lord feel like they have to live up to a list of standards. I was broken and undone. I just dressed it up a whole lot more than some. But until I came to my knees 
and fell on my face before an almighty God. Then was I changed. Then was I changed. This morning as I was just back in my office going over things and preparing, I felt led to write this down and I wrote, for far too long the order has been messed up. Today again, Palm Sunday, many is going to proclaim him as king. All hail the king. Just like they did then. They're going to treat him like a king for the day. But by next week, they may find themselves like many in that crowd, yelling crucify. Maybe not verbally. But when we put ourselves before him, there's no difference. You deny him as king of kings and lord of lords. Worry. Doubt, fear, suicide. Got to go. Because there is only peace and there is only victory in Jesus. Terrence, if you can come this morning and play. I don't know if you might have a song to sing. I don't know. But I want to say this too to the child of God. Listen to me. The child of God. Believer. That may find themselves struggling. That have given in. Listen to the devil. Listen to the enemy. Beat you down because you screwed up. Can I tell you, you're not the only one that screwed up this week. I'll be honest. I've screwed up this week. But Romans, I want to remind you again, Romans verse 8, or chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We've got a problem, but the problem can be very easily corrected. Just get out of the way. And let him be God. Let him have that place that he desires in your life as the head. Let him reign in your life today. Let him take that worry, doubt, fear, those thoughts, the, the, whatever, the depression. Let him take it away. And I know when people are, are, are feel like they're confounded or, or, or whatever to a... And they can't get out. That, that does. It, it, it plays with your mind. But I'm telling you, there's a peace that will pass all understanding that wants to flood your life like never before. I want you this morning, and I feel led to do this. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, today's your day. I want to pray. And I want to ask you to repeat with me say after me because I believe that a great revival is in the making not just here but around this world as I've watched videos of the people in Peru praying and crying out on the streets the doctors and the, the ER nurses who, who don't care no more. They're, they're posting videos of themselves praying to the Lord. Lord, have your Only you, Lord, can do this. Only you, Lord, can fix this. Only you, Lord, can take this. They don't care 
anymore because they know that he is the only one that matters and he is the only one that has the answers. They're as educated as they can get. But they still can't figure out what's going on. Where's the church in the midst of all this? I know there are many churches and I've watched many do wonderful things and, and praise God for that. We've got wonderful churches right around our area that are reaching out and doing wonderful things. Right down the street, Pursuit Church is, is doing a tremendous work. Thank God for it. We're here reaching out. Where are the churches in this time of crisis? Where's the believers? Where's your videos? Not to be seen, but for them to see. Listen, your good works, that they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. Crying out for the nation. I'm not saying do it to be seen. But somebody needs to see. Somebody needs to see that we're not ashamed. This morning, if you don't know Him, I want you to pray. Believe in your heart. Confess Christ as your Savior. Today could be the first day of the greatest life you've ever known. If you repeat after me, Lord, I come to you. I'm a sinner, and I need you to save me. Lord, I repent for all of my sins, and I believe that you died on Calvary's cross, that your blood was shed, and that by receiving you as Lord and Savior, I am saved. Lord, I confess you as my Savior. Praise God, I'm forgiven. I am saved. I am a new creation in you. Amen. Lord, I pray right now that those that are watching, wherever they find themselves, those that find themselves in that state of depression, Lord, right now you sweep down in that place where they are. Lord, those tears of sorrow, those tears of loneliness, Lord, that have rolled down their cheeks, God, they be replaced with tears of joy. Lord, that that emptiness be filled with a fullness, the fullness of you. Lord, that person that is contemplating and going over in their mind of taking their own life. Lord, you've kept them for such a time as this. Lord, that you replace those thoughts of death because that is the fruit of sin, which is death. And give them the fruit of salvation, which is life. God, that you minister to them now, Lord, that they put down or throw away the pills. God, those that are waiting to get that next high, you replace that, Lord. Take that away, Lord, and move in their life. God, that you take away the bondages. And let them walk in freedom. Lord, we're asking that you let us be the church. 
not an ascetic church, but one that's on fire, that's looking to you for guidance. Lord, that we be your hands and feet. God, that in this time we not lose focus, that we don't let the opportunities pass us by. But Lord, let us look to you, continue to look to you for direction. Praise you, honor you, and give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you, we'll be back live tonight at 6 o'clock. But next week, weather permitting, we will have a drive-in or drive-up service, whatever you call that. It's legal. I have a letter from the governor. It's We can do it. Stay, I'm not saying you can get out of your car, and, but you got to stay in your car. But wear comfortable clothes. But please wear clothes when you come. But we will, God, always mess it up. We will have a drive-in service, so if the weather permits. We love you guys. I can't wait to see your faces, even if it's through your windshield. But come. Come. Show, Lakeside Church, come. Show up. Make this parking lot full. Those people ride down the road, they're wondering, man, they just must love the Lord. We love you guys. We'll see you tonight at 6. Be blessed.